1: another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 271.
2: Hello, everybody. Anitra is sounding super excited because I am now home. I am so happy that you are home.
1: (laughs) And you are sounding like somebody who's been shouting on a crowded convention floor for three days. Probably because
2: I've been shouting on a crowded convention floor for three (laughs) days. (laughs) Hello, everybody. This is the Family Gamers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Andrew, and I am joined by my lovely, wonderful, and excited wife, Anitra. That's me. And... We have a very exciting show for you today. We're actually going to be pretty short on the front end of this show. We're not even going to talk about the games that we've been playing because we're going to bring you our PAX Unplugged interviews. I was at PAX Unplugged this weekend with staff writer Corey and Anitra was home alone with the children. We survived. (laughs) Everybody made it. Everybody made it. Uh, But my voice is shot, so I don't want to do too much talking today but we do want to bring you a show that you can enjoy.
1: I am excited to hear these interviews.
2: But it wouldn't be an episode of the Family Gamers podcast if I didn't bring you a fact about our number. All right. Okay. So are you familiar with the four great inventions of ancient China?
1: Uh no, but I think I could guess a couple of them. Sure. Um like paper.
2: Mhm. So one of those was the compass. the magnetic compass. It was first invented as a device for divination as early as the Chinese Han Dynasty, which actually ended around 220 AD, but the first, according to some sources, the first recorded use of one, as in some kind of actual evidence of one being used, not one being worked on and, and stuff sure. like that, was in the year 271.
1: So that's it. 271, first recorded use of a magnetic compass.
2: Right. I mean, that's so long ago that, like, it's possible they were used earlier <laughs> if they were certainly invented during a dynasty that ended 50 years before 271. Yeah. But according to some sources, the first recorded use of a magnetic compass was in the year 270 one the original compasses were made of lodestone which is a naturally magnetic substance so it wasn't like they mm-hmm. created magnets in any way like the way we can do now but uh yeah so that's it that's what i got
1: i think lodestone is a type of uh, hematite which is probably naturally yeah. magnetic
2: so that is our fact for the episode and the family gamers podcast is sponsored by first move financial
1: how do you help your kids understand that christmas isn't just a get more stuff holiday <sighs> one way is to reduce the number of material gifts and replace those with experiences like a day at a theme park or a special trip just with one of the adults in the family. Another idea is to try shifting your kids' attention to others. There are a number of great ways to do this, from having them research and pick a charity to donate to, all the way to picking a name off a giving tree for the kids to shop for. Giving trees are often set up by churches, food banks, and some local malls. You can also spend time as a family volunteering, or clearing out old toys to donate, or even just visiting nursing homes to spread holiday cheer. Finally, and perhaps most importantly, you need to make sure that you are modeling the behavior that you want to be teaching your children. If you'd like to talk about other ideas to pass on your values to your children, schedule a time to talk to First Move by going to firstmovefinancial.com slash Do it today.
2: I love this holistic advice from First Move Financial. Don't forget to model behaviors that you want your children to emulate. That is an excellent piece of advice. (laughs) Yeah, we sometimes forget that. All right, so why don't we take a quick break? We are going to hear a very adorable and whimsical snap review. Yes, we are. And when we come back from that break, we're going to go directly into all of our PAX Unplugged interviews. There are five of them. Count them, five interviews that Ah. we did over the weekend. And then we'll close out the show. And next week... I will have a much better voice and we will go into a lot of detail about all the cool stuff that I saw at PAX Unplugged.
1: All right, that sounds great.
2: All right, we'll be right back. Do you ever watch the great... British Bake Off? Of course I do. <laughs> and do you remember Kim Joy? She was one of the contestants a, a couple of years ago. She made it into the finals.
1: Yeah, I saw that.
2: Yeah. Well, in the final episode of that season, we learned some interesting things about Kim Joy. Well, we, we knew she was adorable, but we also learned that she likes board games. She does. Which is awesome. And she describes herself as whimsical. Uh, fair enough. So, well, wouldn't you know it, Kim Joy has joined forces with Skybound Games to make a wonderful whimsical, bakery-themed board game.
1: Who knew? This is a snap review for Kim Joy's Magic Bakery. Kim Joy's Magic Bakery is a cooperative baking game where you're working to gather ingredients to create layers to serve your customers the baked goods they're looking for.
2: The game is suitable for ages 8 and up for 2 to 5 players, and it takes maybe 15 to 30 minutes to play. Everything from the helpful ducks... To the sheep ordering almond and chocolate tort, or even to your... Dragon ordering trumpets. (laughs) (laughs) They're delightful and they're all adorable. Even the ingredients, like the fruit and the icing, are illustrated similarly. So let's talk about the mechanics in Kim Joy's Magic Bakery.
1: Players start with a hand of three ingredient cards. On the table, you'll have a mix of customer cards that change by player count. The layer cards that you can bake while you're supporting the bakery and five more ingredient cards laid face-up next to the deck. In a round, each player takes a turn, where they have either two or three actions, depending on player count. For an action, you can take an ingredient, you can discard ingredients to make a layer, um, eggs, butter, sugar, and flour to make sponge, for example. You can discard a mix of layer and ingredient cards to serve a customer the baked good they're looking for. You can give cards to other players. This
2: is a cooperative game, after all.
1: Or, lastly, you can spend an action to refresh the pantry, which discards all the face-up ingredient cards and puts new ones out.
2: Because customers want chocolate, and there's no chocolate in the pantry, so we need a new pantry. Gotta
1: find it somewhere!
2: (laughs) Once everyone takes a turn, the customers move along, browsing the wares of the bakery. You can't fit more than three customers in your whimsical forest (laughs) store, so if a fourth one comes in, the customer who has been there the longest leaves. But you don't want them to leave empty-handed, so make sure they get the baked treat that they're looking for.
1: You're always working together, so make sure to hand cards to the right players to get the customers their treats.
2: So the actual game takes place over a 10-scenario campaign. These scenarios have special twists and turns to the main game, and some of them have really adorable narrations in the rulebook. Actually, all of them do. These scenarios do get harder as you go along, so thankfully Skybound has included some extra helpful ducks, these are like wild ingredients, so you can add those to the deck to kind of help you out if you can't quite manage to beat a scenario.
1: There's nothing destructible about this game, so you can play it over and over again to try to get a better score, or even mix up the campaign scenarios and play them in a different order. Mm -hmm.
2: Alright bakers, ready,
1: set, BINK! What did we expect from Kim Joy's Magical Bakery?
2: Well, the subject matter is adorable and silly and whimsical like it's supposed to be, right? It says cooperative baking game right on the front, so I knew that that was going to be part of the adventure as well. I suspected we'd be working together to make different
1: parts of a final baking project, and that's, that's kind of what we got. I mean, we've played games like Overcooked on video game consoles, so I thought it might be a board game version of something like that, where you're racing the clock to try to put your final dishes together.
2: So what surprised you about Kim Joy's Magical Bakery?
1: Well, I think my biggest surprise was the campaign. The simple rules of the game lay out a basic order of play, you know, you're gonna take your turn, you're trying to fulfill orders, and the quick reference on the back sets you up for a single playthrough. But the campaign really adds a lot of flavor.
2: Boo!
1: Adds a lot of flavor to the game.
2: Who can complain when an adorable tuxedo cat comes into your bakery? I mean, really?
1: Anyway, we really enjoyed the narrative (laughs) element to the campaign scenarios. They add just a little bit of an extra twist to each game that you play. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Kim Joy is a really fun, laid-back, strategic, cooperative game. After the first few scenarios, it can get pretty tough to manage the highest tier of stars because depending on how many customers you satisfy, you get a star rating, but it never felt like it was an overwhelming game. It, it's also just really wonderful how nice it is to collaborate. Sharing the glory is easy in a game like this because the game truly is cooperative.
1: Much like the title persona of Kim Joy herself, this mm-hmm. is a fun and happy game. It's well-suited to the 8-plus on the box, because reading is helpful, but not critical. Mm -hmm. If you add more players, though, you'll find out two things. First, only two actions per turn makes it really hard for a single person to really feel like they're accomplishing anything. You'll actually be relying on setting other people up to execute the whole team's plan. Mm -hmm. Second, even though the actions drop from 3-per-player to 2-per-player at these higher counts... The game can stretch a little long for the younger ages if they have to wait for four other people to go until it gets back to their turn. But as
2: long as we manage that expectation, we are really enjoying this game. I'm looking forward to seeing how the plot unfolds. Right? It's it's cute and fun in the last couple scenarios. So, Anitra, what are we going to rate Kim Joy's Magical Bakery from Skybound Games?
1: I think we're going to give it four star bakes out of five.
2: And that's Kim Joy's Magical Bakery. In In a snap. Hello, everybody. We are here. It's the first day of PAX Unplugged. We're back to the convention circuit. I am here with Danny Lowe from Pandasaurus. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Corey's with me. Hello, everybody. All right. And we just finished looking at Skull Canyon Ski Fest. This is a game that you dropped on our heads like four days ago. So um, talk a little bit about this game because I'm really into it
3: school canyon ski fest is our april release hopefully fingers crossed knock yeah. on wood
2: april to june that's yeah. the range yeah.
3: um it's a mishmash of different games so if you like ticket to, to ride or to Kaido or or ready to move up from that level of game this one's probably up your alley so we are skiing and snowboarding on the slopes of school canyon when um, we're doing that by playing sets of cards of the same color or the same style um, when you ski a run, you're going to put a claim marker on that run to show that you were the first to do it, you set the tone, like you are famous for this, for this, this run. However, other players can steal the run from you by playing more cards in their set. So at the end of the game, whoever has the most uh, easy, advanced, expert runs will get points. While you're playing sets of cards, if you play a wild Yeti card, you get to move the Yeti token and block off runs from other players. So it's pretty... <laughs> It can be pretty strategic and inopportune for your opponents.
2: Also, the Yeti is super cute.
3: The, the Yeti is super cute. It will have screen-printed um, illustrations on it. Very menacing, but also adorable.
2: <laughs> I think you should keep the line art. I think it's good.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're, they're talking about my prototype piece I drew on that uh, looks remarkably like the ski-free Yeti,
4: by accident.
3: <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we're going to play over three days, a.k.a. rounds, and each round has four turns in it. After the fourth turn, we're going to end up at the bottom of the board, which is called ski. And this is where the Takedo element comes in, because you're going to take actions uh, depending on the furthest left. So as long as you're, you're last, you get to take another action um, until you end up at the hotel and you do a cleanup phase and get more cards and stuff. So really approachable rules. We've got four, uh, two to four players, and the characters you're playing as are diverse in gender and race, Um and are either skiing or snowboarding, up to you, <laughs>
2: okay. or hanging out um, in the in the village, which yeah, is what I like.
3: And, and the yodeling lodge.
2: <laughs> you know, when we when we talked about this before, one of the things I really like about this is that um, that you said that there's parts of this game that you can kind of take out if you're playing with a younger audience, like mm-hmm. the whole part about. Claiming the routes, like you can still get points for finishing routes, but maybe you're not going back and forth with people to try to get, you know, to, to claim it at the end of the game.
3: Right. So each time you ski a run, you're going to get the base amount of points and fame, aka currency, uh, no matter what, depending on the difficulty. The placing claim tokens and stealing and everything that adds a another layer layer of interaction and complexity. But if you're playing with younger skiers, <laughs> um, yeah, you can totally take it out just to make it more approachable.
2: Awesome. Um, And this is a game that, like you said before, April is
3: the plan. Yeah, hopefully mid-April. It's available for pre-order now on our website or for game stores, and it comes with a pack of free promo cards for
0: free. Awesome. Tell us a little bit more about your favorite gear from this game. Um,
3: so, I am partial to the Pandasaurus earmuffs. Super stylish. <laughs> they got little ears on them.
2: I think uh, that's one of the promo cards, right? It's yeah. on the
3: promo cards, yeah. I
2: mean, they are cute. I, I like the ears on them, especially. I agree with you. They're, they're adorable. <laughs> So we also talked about The Loop, Uh which is a game that um, has amazing box presence. (laughs) Can you talk a little bit about that one?
3: Yeah, that's a cooperative strategy game, kind of like Pandemic, where you're trying to mitigate the terrible Dr. Foe from messing up the timeline. Um, He's going to be dropping uh, rift cubes in his awful machine each round that will affect different areas of the board and sending his clones out to do his dirty work. So you're trying to mitigate cubes from coming out that will cause vortexes, which is a fail condition. And you're trying to remove clones, which are there to gunk up the board and make your life difficult. It's got some elements of deck building in it, so each player has their own unique deck, and you're going to be drafting cards from around the board. On your turn, you can do a card, you can move, or you can do a loop, which will refresh different uh, specific types of cards in your, in your hand. So you can prolong your turn over and over, as long as you have the energy to do it. So it's pretty thematic with that time travel.
2: Yeah, I like that. And speaking of time travel, there's another game that we talked about briefly, oh, yeah. That Time You Killed Me. I <laughs> love that one. So this is a game that, I think he said it was inspired by 3D chess, mm-hmm. kind of? Mm-hmm. And we got a, a very brief demo of that. That's a game with some really interesting time travel kind of looping mechanics.
3: Yeah, yeah. So that's a strictly two-player game. You're right, it was inspired by 4D chess, 3D chess. One person is the person who invented the time machine, and the other player is trying to kill them and take credit for the invention. <laughs> so it's head-to-head. <laughs> yeah, uh, very unique theme. Yeah.
2: Well, I guess it's in the title, so yeah. it shouldn't be a surprise.
3: <laughs> so you're playing across the past, present, and future boards simultaneously. On your turn, you can move or time travel forward or backwards. There's also different modules included in the game. That will add new plastic pieces and mechanics. So instead of combining them all at once <laughs> during our play tests we were seeing that our, our demoers' brains were bleeding out their ears yeah. a
4: little bit <laughs> <laughs> right.
3: with all of the time travel shenanigans. So we broke them out into the different chapter boxes to make the rules more of a slow burn mm-hmm. um, unfolding.
2: So and you know, we we played around a little bit with the um, the tree module. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, know what it's called. And, and it was great because if you went into the past, you could plant a seed, mm-hmm. and then in the present, it would be a bush, and then in the mm-hmm. future, it would be a tree that you could then push over and crush yep. someone. Yeah, So, um, there, I mean, there's so much thought that has gone into all of the different ways in which time is going to change those modules. It's very cool. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, yeah, and there's more to come,
2: we hope. Ooh, oh. <laughs> all right, well, this is the beginning of day one. We still have our voices. We're doing OK. Yeah, yeah. Um Thank you so much for spending five minutes talking about this stuff, and the time before that on uh, on showing us in detail Skull Canyon Ski Fest. Uh, this this game looks wonderful. We're gonna take some pictures too. Awesome. All, right. Awesome. All right. Thank you again. Yeah,
3: you're welcome.
2: Hey everybody, it's Andrew. At the end of the first day of PAX Unplugged, uh, I am in the Slugfest Games booth with Jeff. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. Awesome. And. If Slugfest game sounds familiar, you've probably heard of their game, The Red Dragon Inn. Not a game we covered at the Family Gamers because it is not exactly a kid's game.
5: <laughs> yeah, we, we get it. <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but we do have something
2: that might be right up your alley. And that's exactly why I came over here. So I saw this game uh, as I was prepping for PAX Unplugged this year. I wanted to come over and see it. I've seen a little bit of, of the demos for it. This is a game called Dungeon Decorators. Yep. Can you talk a little bit about what you do in Dungeon Decorators?
5: Sure. In Dungeon Decorators, you are a nefarious interior designer who is building and designing a, uh, a dungeon for your evil boss client. Everyone knows you can't be an evil boss without an evil lair, and those lairs aren't going to build themselves, so you, that's where you come in. It is a tile-drafting game for two to four players every tile has both a decoration side and a dungeon side and deciding how to build out your dungeon with a good balance of both dungeon tiles and decoration tiles is key to to how the game plays.
2: So we talked at the Family Gamers a lot about a a tile-laying dungeon kind of crafting game called Karak. This is a kid's game. It's a very basic tile laying game where you're literally laying out tiles to create a dungeon, but there's nothing nefarious about it. So, here it's not just laying out tiles to create a dungeon. You're actually decorating it and kind of putting enemies in it and doing all sorts of of stuff like that, right?
5: Well, it's not you're not putting enemies, but you are trying to get goals based on shapes of your dungeon and the decorations that you put in it. And so the the interesting choices every time you draft a t- tile is, um, you know, how can I best make the goal cards that are in my hand? Do I do I want to use this one as a as a decoration, or do I want to use it to actually build out my dungeon so I can play more decorations? Okay, so. Decorations. I'm looking
2: over here. I see spikes and and ooze and uh, and some other um, scary, nefarious-looking things.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yep. So depending on how uh, Halloween-friendly your family is, you know, uh, uh, we we think that's uh, still fine. You know, along the lines of you know. Halloween, uh, but yes, you are you are trying to make these shape uh, shape and decoration goals that are things like the master bathroom of the damned and the uh, and the uh, treasure sorting room and things like that. All right, and I saw uh, when you were doing
2: a little bit of a demo of the game that the it's a it's a tile drafting game with a mechanic very similar to something like King Domino. Yeah. Where when you draft the more powerful tiles, that means the next time around
5: you're going to be later in the round and the stuff that you can draft is not going to be is good. Exactly. And that's uh that mechanic worked really well for this game because you know, we didn't want to have to try to balance every single one of the 120 tiles in the game, right? So so there you know, some of them are just better than others, but by taking those those better ones, you're going to put yourself in a later position for the next round.
2: Right. Okay, awesome. Let's see. Dungeon Decorators, I think the game retails for around 40 42 I think it is, yeah. Okay, awesome. And this is a game for ages 13 plus? Yep, that's right. Alright, I'm going to say, I'm going to use my family gamer's privilege to say that from a content perspective, I think you can probably skew younger than that, but the rating on the game is 13+. plus, um, So, you know, parents, just take a look at it and make those decisions for yourselves. Like I said, it's the end of day one. So I'm going to go. Thank you again, Jeff, for uh, just spending a couple minutes talking about this game.
5: Sure. Thanks for uh, having me.
2: Hello, everyone. We are in the Czech Games Edition booth. It's the second half of the second day of PAX Unplugged. It's Andrew, Corey's here. Hello, everybody. And we are here with Nathan. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's been a lot of fun so far. All right. So you have shown us, you've given us the crash course. Ha 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 of <laughs> the new edition of galaxy trucker mm-hmm. uh, and of course we are big fans of galaxy trucker we played the app a lot we played the the og game there's some differences in this yeah, version no, definitely. Uh, so talk about some of those differences and maybe why you decided as a company
6: to make those changes sure absolutely so with the new galaxy trucker relaunch we really wanted to focus on making it a more accessible experience for players of all ages and also for players who maybe haven't had the chance to play it before because Right now, um, there's a lot of new people that are getting into gaming and board gaming, particularly the past couple of years. And the original Galaxy Tark came out a long time ago, so some people might have all expansions of the old version. We wanted to give an opportunity for new people who have not seen it yet to check out sort of a new, refreshed, more streamlined, accessible version. at a, like Actually, it's a lower price point and a smaller box, too. So it's half the price of the original game. It's a smaller box, so you save on shelf space. and that's kind of like the main focus, we want to kind of give, open up the access to a wider audience of, of players. So
0: a lot of people, their entire experience with Galaxy Trucker is through the app. <laughs> For those folks, what's you know what's the allure of picking up the board game version, this new edition?
6: Sure, I mean, I've, I've played the app a lot. It's a lot of fun, I like the story there. There's something very uh, pleasantly tactile about grabbing the tiles, frantically racing and flipping them over and trying to build your ship as fast as possible. And then, you know, getting everything good and ready up and then going to your trek and have, watching things completely blow off and just like <laughs> being, moving things around the table, having the ship pieces blow off, it's a big part of the fun. Um, and also just like, you know, handling all the components, it's like you're loading your ship up when you stack, you know, a bunch of little characters and you've got different resources on your ship parts. When a big chunk of that blows up, you're just like wiping the whole thing off and it just feels very tactile and like immersive. Like right then and there, there's like, oh, there's half my ship visually gone. Uh, which is a different feeling when you're playing the digital app because you see things blow off but it's just like you don't feel it you, you don't, don't feel, really feel, it. feel it, it yeah, 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 yeah. You, you now have a pile of debris and rubble and like little <laughs> piles, which you know it's uh, that's my favorite part of the game is if i do a run where i play too well i'm just kind of like that was cool i want things to be chaos and blowing up and like yeah it's part of the big part of the fun and humor of the game is just like spending so much time trying to make your ship perfect to see if you can keep it intact and then watching the thing just completely go off the rails as like pirates come and you've got meteors and things are just Going crazy. <laughs> right.
2: Well, so you you also dropped the age range on it from 10 plus to 8 plus. So that's a kind of a nod to the accessibility. The art's been updated a little bit, and then there's these kind of new like gold
6: tiles. Yeah. So um, yeah, one of the things is the main the main trek uh, the main game has been reduced to 30 minutes. So before there was a three flight kind of game that took a while longer to play we've made the core loop uh you just pick one of the three levels and you play it so you go through one one run and uh, for people who want a longer meteor experience we've kind of updated the three-flight trek to something we're calling the transgalactic trek and to make that a different experience we're added new uh, title tiles where as you play your first run you have the opportunity to um, earn titles based on like how your ship is made up and different decisions you make and whether it survives that process when you get one of those titles, you get points. Now, on subsequent runs, you then try to see if you can defend your title by continuing to build your ship in a way that allows you to maintain that. If you do that successfully, you get additional points. And then if you do that again in the third time, you get even more points. So it creates a little bit more of a consistent like loop and arc from playing multiple runs of the game. In addition, to just having the boards get bigger and more complicated, so you build crazier ships as you go.
0: Speaking of the boards, you have to tell us about what you already told us this is your favorite part—the yeah. amazing physics-defying three-sided shipboard.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's one of the things we've been doing is just trying to save space in the box and get all the components in there. And rather than having three additional boards, we have a three-sided board, which is when I was first described to me, I'm like, how does that work exactly? <laughs> <laughs> so how it works is you've got on one side of the board, you've got your first flight uh, ship, so you've got your layout and grid for tiles. You flip it over and you've got a a level two flight ship and then you unfold it so you open it up like a book and you've got the full open thing as their third flight and that's pretty cool it's visually fun to just be like do, oh here we go third flight. <laughs> yeah i i mean
2: the other big thing that people are going to notice i guess there's two more one of them is uh, all the tiles all the component pieces that you're going to be putting into your ship they're a lot smaller yes um which galaxy trucker is a game was a remarkable table hog, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so that obviously helps with that a lot. But the other one is, there is a ton of plastic here yes. that was not in the original
6: game. Yes. Yeah, we have, uh, we, the tiles are smaller. I, I'm i not sure about the decision, of like what prompted the decision to move to plastic pieces, but we basically decided to kind of go in that direction. I know component prices has been challenging with like the pandemic and everything's mm-hmm. kind of shifting, that might have been a, conf- uh, a factor. But we also wanted to take the opportunity to kind of remodel and, and update some of the, the models for the astronauts mm-hmm. and little alien creatures to kind of make a little more detail, a little cuter. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of, I think, the focus for just kind of... And also there's lots of fun bits to have on the table. It takes up less space, but it's still there's a lot going on there in the box.
2: I guess probably the biggest thing for you guys at Pax Unplugged this year is the expansion of Lost Ruins of Arnak, which is out and it is available. Um, we're not going to talk about it, sure. but if people are interested, um, go to your friendly local game store and see if you can get yourself a copy of that. We are, however, going to talk about another title which came out last year, which just didn't seem to get enough press, I don't think, and that is Under Falling Skies. So do you want to talk a little bit about like what you do in this game? Sure, absolutely.
6: So Under Falling Skies is sort of a, if you can imagine, if you've ever played a game called Space Invaders, it's the same kind of concept where you have a mothership descending uh, down onto the over a city, and you're and also spitting out small fighter jets down towards you, and you're using uh, dice to roll, and sort kind of like a dice placement uh, to power up Guns. You're trying to gain energy so you can do different things and also research up the track so you can then eventually defeat um, the mothership. But turn by turn, you're rolling your dice, seeing where you can place your things and using you kind of very simple but quick rules. And you're trying to um, knock out alien ships that are coming at you. And every time you place a dice, it also triggers a corresponding column of ships to then move that number of spaces based on the number. You want high numbers sometimes because you want to be able to power things up and get additional stuff but putting high numbers also makes everything go faster and descending faster towards you. So it's just like every time you do a thing it triggers the AI to then respond and it becomes this sort of puzzle where you're trying to open up and drill deeper and get uh, more options for placement while also just kind of um, managing the damage that's coming in at you from there.
0: A la XCOM for those (laughs) folks who are familiar (laughs) with that. You are you're constantly drilling down and uh, expanding your research base that allows you to power up and be able to do more stuff against your enemy
2: you know i was gonna make a joke about like who hasn't you know played space invaders but then i realized that game came out like 35 40 (laughs) years ago so so we uh we actually probably have listeners who have never played space invaders um space invaders is a game where you're defending the world from aliens that are trying to attack it think independence day another thing that yeah, came out day 20 30 years, years ago. ago yeah so um yeah so this is a game um interesting it says 12 plus 20 to 40 minutes and it says one plus on the box <laughs> and this is something i asked you about and
6: you're like um yeah that's an like, interesting observation, that is a good observation. Yeah. yeah so i believe the one plus is because we have seen people play it cooperatively mm. it is a solo focus game mm. but um you know it is very replayable there's lots of modular elements in the board um so often what we'll see is people kind of group together either like a couple or get a couple of groups together of like few people and sort of discuss and weigh out the options of like what are we going to do if we place it here it's like where do we want to go do you want to go try to drill drill more do you want to get resources and i i also play a lot of solo games with other people that my partner and i play a lot so it's fun to have a team to kind of you know, corporately strategize together because this game is very challenging and thinky and puzzle-like so if you like solving puzzles together that's sort of where the one plus is It gives opportunity to play with other people and there's a lot of additional content that unlocks the more you play it.
0: now as i continue to play under falling skies and get better at it the modular board you can flip over any or all sides of the board to a b side that's a little more difficult but if i dig further in the box i find some comic books <laughs> how come we like comic books
6: in a sense yes so um, the game the base game itself is very replayable. We have a, included like a number of additional chapters of bonus content. So in each chapter it's like and there's a warning too. When you start opening the box, it says wait, play the first game the base game first a couple times. Then as you unlock and, and track your court your your wins, you can then open up each chapter and it what it does is it has a comic book, little like comic sheet of our it's got some character cards that have abilities, it's got new board pieces, both for your base game where you're placing things and for like the descending board. And Basically, you just get a whole bunch of new content each time you unlock one of those, and over time, you just have all these different pieces you can mix and match to a very additionally modular, replayable experience. The box itself is teeny, but it's very heavy. You could cause damage (laughs) if you were to pass it to someone in a, a fast way. So. There's a lot in there and there's a lot of reason to kind of keep playing it beyond just like a one or two sessions so
2: as i kind of reflect back this has been kind of a perfect interview and here's why i say that cge has provided us with a game that you play with the family in galaxy trucker which kind of zany and fun and then as every parent listening to this knows there is that blissful period of time after the children have gone to bed (laughs) when you can spend time doing something on your own or with your partner sure. and that's when you play Under Falling Skies Absolutely. No. and that leads us to the end of our interview so thank you Nathan yeah. so much for uh, spending some time with us I hope the rest of Pack will be as good as the first half has been
6: thank you so much I really appreciate it
2: hello everybody it is nearing the end of day two of PAX Unplugged My feet hurt a lot less today than yesterday because we played a bunch of games, which is awesome. Right now, we are standing in the Cosmos booth with, I don't know, one of my best friends in the industry, Tom Wetzel. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great.
4: Thanks, Senator. Thanks so much.
2: (laughs) So we've been chatting. I was trying to help you sell some Adventures of Robin Hood over here. Uh, How how have sales been on the game, by the way?
4: Fantastic. Uh, I think that the booth that was selling it is out but there might be one or two more copies in other retail stores so it's selling really well all
2: right that that is awesome to hear especially because like it's not a cheap game so it's not like something that somebody just grabs and whatever but it is so good and if you don't know what i'm talking about head to the family we have a review for the adventures of robin hood i guess you already know how we feel about it but but there we go oh by the way Corey's here hi everyone
4: <laughs> so Tom, tell me about the show what do you got uh, what are you showing right now So, obviously, The Adventures of Robin Hood has been super popular. We've also been talking about Anno 1800 a ton. That's also another game that's sold out, and and we're excited about that. Obviously, the crew, the crew of Mission Deep Sea has been uh, uh, constantly being demoed. Uh, And and right behind the crew, we've got Ubongo 3D, which I love, and Lost Cities The Right, which I also love. So we've reviewed, let's see, we reviewed Adventures of Robin Hood, we talked about that. We reviewed the first The Crew
2: game. We reviewed Ubongo 3D. Let's talk about The Crew uh, Mission Deep Sea. What's different about this versus the first game?
4: So it's actually a very similar game. The differences are um, that in The Crew, the Quest for Planet Nine, it's it's very systematic. You're trying to get certain numbers, Like, like you need the two pink card. Um, whereas in the crew, Mission Deep Sea, it's more conceptual. So instead of getting a specific card, it'll say, you need to win more tricks than the commander, or like you need to win the last trick in the hand. And all of these things are, like I said, they're kind of like bigger picture conceptual ideas. I, I'm not going to say that I like one more than the other. To be honest, I like them both for their different reasons.
2: And, and presumably the, the narrative overtones of deep sea are going to be different than being in space.
4: Uh, Yes, And, and actually there are fewer missions in the mission deep sea. There's 32 instead of 50. But the way that the missions are assigned, the tasks are assigned, is, is really wild. So, like, I think the replayability is as good or better than the Quest for Planet 9.
2: So, so 32 instead of 50, which means that I'll only stay up until 1 instead of 4 trying to get the game done in one shot.
4: I can't guarantee that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. So I, I think there's one more game. Actually, before we go to that. Can you talk a little bit about Anno 1800? Um, Like, it's not really in our wheelhouse with the family gamers, so we haven't covered it, but I know that we do have some heavier gamers that listen to the show, so can you just talk about it a little bit?
4: Absolutely, yeah, it is a little bit heavier of a game, uh, but I don't think it should be out of your wheelhouse entirely, and the reason why is uh, there's another reviewer out there called, no pun intended, uh, or included, sorry, they have a review, and they call it the Catan Killer. Because it is very simple, but it offers a lot of crunchy strategy. I will say that if you have some younger kids in your family, the teaching of it is going to be a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. But once you know the game, it is very simple. So there's it's a Martin Wallace game, so there's a lot of strategy. Your first game is going to be like two hours long, but once you've got it down, it's it's very rewarding and a lot of fun. What kind of
0: aspects of the game make it more approachable
4: iconography I, I mean like everything is very clear there's these complex ideas in it of like uh, building a, a tech tree essentially or an engine building tech tree uh, where you're trying to like use resources you have to get more resources to get more resources and it builds on it but because the iconography is so clear, you can tell very easily, like, oh, I need soap? Okay, well, I'll take the, the coal and the farmer, uh, we'll get the pig, and we'll make soap. Like, that's how it works. And then, oh, like, okay, you need soap to make one of these people happy. Like I said, it's actually very simple, but the, the ideas are, are a little bit more complex to explain at first. Sure. So, okay, so let's talk about
2: that other game that's over here
4: on this table. Cities, L- rolling Right? That's the one. Well, I'm super nostalgic for it because my family played Roll and Write games growing up, so I'm, 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 a, I'm a little biased. I love Roll and Write games. And this one is one of my favorites, or maybe my new favorite, to be honest. <laughs> but the reason is because it's a simple game. You can teach this game, complete opposite of Ono 1800. Uh, Lost Cities Roll and Write, you can teach it in less than five minutes, and you can play through an entire game with five people in under a half an hour. That's amazing. Yeah, and I've, I've heard of a lot of families who are like, this is the game that like my my parents will play, or mm-hmm. you know my, my nephews and nieces can play with me. Uh, so it's a very much like a, uh, an approachable and inclusive roll and write game. If you've played the card game or the board game, some of the concepts are going to feel very familiar. Mm-hmm. But obviously it's dice instead of cards, so it's, it is different. It's worth worth checking out, right?
2: And it is a kind of a small box game like The Crew or like something like that. If you're kind of thinking about you know the size um, and obviously that commitment level, it's a holiday time. You're going to see your family. You know, us gamers are like, well, what game can I bring that I can actually get on the table? And it sounds like Lost Cities Rolling Right really kind of fits that bill.
4: 100%. It's also MSRP is 14.95. It'll fit in a stocking, like it's that fun box size, same yeah. as the Exit Games. Yeah. It's really a fantastic game. Happy about it.
2: Awesome. Well. Thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us. Like I said, one of my best buddies in gaming, I feel like. <laughs> one
4: day we're going to go bowling.
2: <laughs> one day we will go bowling. It will be amazing. The
4: Sox
2: game. I'm, I'm also um, up for that as well. Thank you so much for spending some time. Uh, I hope that you can just continue to sell out because that's really, I mean, what you're going for.
4: Yeah, I agree. Thank you. And thank you for your great reviews too.
2: Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Thanks so much. everybody, I am here with Corey. Hey everyone. It is the third day of PAX, and I'm also here with Nora at GameRite.
7: Hey, how you doing?
2: Oh, I'm good. You guys, um, I think you've been having a really awesome show. How's it been going?
7: I think it's been a great show. I'm so excited about, there are a couple of games that we've sold out of that we didn't anticipate. The crowd's been so nice. we played a ton of games, lots of demoing. And lots of people introduced to Game right for the first time. So that was really exciting for us.
2: I mean, I think that's crazy. And, you know, I think that kind of what you said, like, there's a lot of people really coming into the hobby. And I guess we heard about it, you know, with the pandemic and people are, you know, finding board games because they need to do something at home. But now we're really seeing it and it's absolutely coming true.
7: Yes, this show feels like a tangible result of what we've been talking about, that games are just growing as in their popularity as a hobby. And we had, you know, moments that were really interesting at the show. Like one of the games we sold out of that we never thought we would it was Go Nuts for Donuts. It's been in our line for a really long time. We felt like at a gaming convention most people have either experienced the game and there might be not no new players and it went very quickly. And I think it's a great game, and I'm so glad to hear it. And it really shows that I've forgotten that there's a new gamer born every day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Well, I was going to add, you know, it, it helps that Go Notes for Donuts is an excellent game. I mean, that yeah. that, that helps out. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, I, even for for us, we've been doing it for so long, we do forget that there are new people coming into the hobby every single day. And this last two years, I mean, people can't go out, right? And they got to find something to do. And board games have, have, I think, really been blowing up. And it's great to see that has been uh, enjoying that
7: thanks yeah no I definitely feel that way and we were pretty excited that the shows timing this year because usually all of our new releases are timed for Gen Con but everything shipping channels all things got disrupted but that meant we had a brand new game to release at this show which wouldn't typically be the case. We wouldn't typically be releasing a brand new game in December. We would have released it already in October or at Gen Con. So we have Word Heist to introduce at this show and it's so nice to have a launch at a show because it gives us as a publisher immediate feedback on people's excitement about the game. So we were really thrilled to see that folks loved playing Word Heist and got really into it.
2: So let's talk about Word Heist a little bit. We got a chance to play it. Uh, this is a word game, a game of lifted letters, it says. Um, and you know, we, we, we played some word games last night at a meetup, and um, and they were kind of tough. But uh, in playing Word Heist, one of the first things I, I thought about with this game is like, this is a word game, but like kids can totally play this game. So talk about the game a little bit.
7: So I'm really glad that you said that because I feel like there's a little bit of a ability to get in there with shorter shorter words and still succeed points-wise because there's these bonus elements to it. Basically, there's a set amount of words that are out for each turn. I mean letters, I'm sorry. And you have to use those letters over and over again in three rounds. But things get a little mixed up and you get certain points for certain things. But what I really love about it is you're absolutely correct. Like, I, if the way the bonus points work, maybe I could have a word as simple as car and win the round with it. So I feel like that balance to it makes it truly a family game.
2: It really does and one of the things that happened during our play of the game because you play three rounds with the same letters is I could keep thinking about my letter the letters that were available and coming up with maybe my next word knowing that things are going to change but I'm going to have the same letters to work with and so you there's a lot of looking at the same stuff and continuing to think about the same stuff it's not like you wipe it and you have six new letters and now you're starting over again right
7: i mean i think it kind of reminds me of like those jumble puzzles and stuff that feeling of you've been looking at it for a while and then all of a sudden a brand new thought you know and i think that that's not necessarily the case with all games is that it's a little bit more puzzly i guess is what i would say which i love
2: yeah i i, I think we had fun playing the game i do not even know who won i don't even think we scored the last round. Um, but we had a blast playing it, um, and I really appreciate that. We're also playing on this table here, which has Shifting Stones on it, which is, I don't, I don't know, one of my favorite games from last year. I think it's just so beautiful and simple and fun. And, um, and people are walking around with lots of copies of Super Mega Lucky Box, which is another excellent game that we loved when we played that. So it's awesome to hear that you guys are selling out of a bunch of stuff. Glad you got to launch a new title. Uh, lots of exciting stuff coming for GameRight.
7: Yes, thank you so much for stopping by the booth. We've had a blast at this show. And yeah, look for brand new games coming out in the spring. We, we keep releasing new ones.
2: Awesome. I am so glad that I have known you for so long, Nora. It's so it's so fun to see you at every convention and email you during the year. So thanks a lot for everything and also for spending some time with us today.
7: Same. I, I <laughs> Exactly what you said. It's, been a, it's so nice to have some friends that I get to see every time I go to a show and get to communicate with over the year and share the enthusiasm about a new game.
2: All right, awesome. Well, I'm sure you're going to continue to sell out of stuff as this last day goes on. We are going to try to stay alive, and (laughs) I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Sounds
7: good. Thanks for stopping
5: by.
1: We're back yep those were so cool mm. i cannot wait to see word heist in action
2: yeah like anora said it's kind of cool that they had a game that effectively launched at unplugged because they don't usually do that we did get to play it it was pretty fun i i mean any word game where i get to play rabbi is pretty good so <laughs> all right <laughs> so that is that we're going to close out our show now anitra there are many, many places where people can go to find information about The Family Gamers, find some of the content that we're generating. I've been tweeting up a storm since Packs Unplugged started. Where can people find us online?
1: Well, I'm going to start with our website, thefamilygamers.com. Mm-hmm. You can go there and enter any of the four giveaways that we have running for another week. We do.
2: We have lots of stuff that we are giving away. We have gift packs that we're giving away. So we've got the Good Games gift pack. We have the Story Machines gift pack pack we have the grand gamers guild holiday hijinks gift pack and then we have it's like a reviewer gift pack or something (laughs) like
1: that um yeah it was games previously reviewed by us
2: right right so head over to thefamilygamers.com and enter those giveaways we would love to send these games to you
1: but you can also find us on all kinds of social media twitter as you mentioned but also Facebook and Instagram, and you even made a TikTok video. I did at make a TikTok unplugged.
2: video because I played this game. I, I didn't interview anyone at AEG, but I played this game called Meeples and Monsters, and I'll talk about it next week, and it's
1: great. So you can see a tiny little preview of that on our TikTok. A microscopic one. All of those are at Family Gamers AA. That's our username everywhere. Yep. You can discuss any of the stuff that we talk about on this show or anything else regarding families and games at the family gamers community on facebook we think the best way to get there is to go to the familygamers.com slash community
2: absolutely you can also email us ryan a show listener emailed me and said hey let's meet up at pax and we did get a chance to meet up at pax so that Very was totally cool. awesome Very you cool. can email me andrew at the family anitra at the family check out our family gamers and play games with your kids merchandise we have t-shirts and hoodies and mugs at the family forward slash Merch.
1: You and Corey were repping the the merch at, at least a little bit. Yep,
2: yeah, we absolutely. No, not on a little bit. Every single day. Every day. day. <laughs> Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show and leave us a review at Apple podcast or whatever your podcast subscription source is. You can also find us on Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify.
1: I think that's going to be it for this week. You look like you need a nap.
2: <laughs> well, we brought home nine more games to review. Yes. So we have a lot of work ahead of us We're excited to talk about all of this stuff <sighs> 2022 is going to be fun
1: going to be a great year But until then well, Play yeah, games for with your kids, kids.